everybody, and welcome to a special edition of the Music Universe podcast. I'm Matt Bailey, along with Buddy Jan. Today, we take you to Nashville, Tennessee, to interview a true legend, one of the G-Men, Garth Brooks's session players, guitarist Chris Lusinger, a member of the Musicians Hall of Fame. Yeah, very exciting that you got to chat with him. I know he has, uh, I would say, become a friend of ours, somebody we can finally label in the music industry of that stature because you got to do this tour with him and we've also hung out with him a couple of times while uh, Garth was in Vegas where he's also performing yep. on stage with him during his uh, Garth Brooks Plus One residency at the Coliseum. Yeah, he's a really sweet guy, and I think there's a lot of Garth fans out there that also feel like they can call him a friend because uh, he'll mm -hmm. meet up with people after the show or he'll come out a little bit before the show. He was doing this on the stadium tour, too. A lot of the band members do that because he's, of course, playing with Garth, not just in the studio, but he's now part of the live band uh, with Garth as well. So this, is, this was really yeah. special. We sat down for what was just supposed to be just a five-minute kind of filler thing for our mini documentary, which if you're on themusicuniverse.com listening or watching this episode, you'll be able to see it. It's linked below. We'll also put the link in YouTube and probably put it up in one of these corners or at the end of the video. But after we finished filming, uh, we sat down and we talked. It was just supposed to be a five, seven-minute chat, and then he was supposed to go. I think we talked. You did the editing on it. I think we ended up talking for close to 20 minutes. So I said, let's, even if Pretty we close, use some yeah. in the documentary, let's make it a, let's make it a, an episode. And so this is our episode. The, the Musicians Hall of Fame tour came out yesterday. We gave that a day to live on its own. Now we wanted to put this out and kind of continue the conversation. Yeah, and you're going to see some of that mixed in, some of that uh, footage of the tour mixed in here um, to kind of help with the, the narrative and the storytelling. But uh, it's a very, very cool conversation, and it's one of the most exciting projects we've gotten to do in our 10 years uh, plus of being alive here at the Music Universe. So want to just, you know, start by saying thank you to Chris. Thank you to the Musicians Hall of Fame for trusting us with, with that mini doc. And, um, you know, it's just been a great, and Matt, of course, your interview was great, and the tour was great, and just a lot of great questions. And I think some that uh, Garth fans are really anxious to hear of how some of that inner stuff works, because uh, it's in there. It's really cool. So without further ado, we'll let the man speak for himself. Now, this is not one of our normal interviews. Uh, you're not going to see Buddy and I smushed or sh smushing the guest in the middle. <laughs> we did this on location, like I said, part of the documentary. So it's kind of just going to be a one-on-one -on -one situation with Chris. I'm off camera, but you hear my mic and you get to look at Chris and see some of the B-roll from that Musicians Hall of Fame documentary. Here it is. Here's our interview with Chris Lusinger. Where are you from originally? I'm, well, I was born in Columbus, Ohio, grew up in West Palm Beach, Florida. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, moved here in 1972. Very cool. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Some people from Florida have a southern accent, some don't. Mm hmm Yeah. I just sort of acquired mine somewhere along the way. <laughs> I guess 50 years of living here, yeah. it kind of rubbed off on me. So Chris, when you got the call that you were going to be inducted as part of the G-Men, um, who called you and what went through your mind? Well, um, Joe actually kind of 
Joe Chambers actually kind of tipped me off in advance and let us know that we were going to be going in and uh, inducted. And I mean, just incredible, incredibly honored, you know, to, to be, to think that I'd be inducted into a place where so many of my heroes were already uh, members and inducted into, it just uh, kind of blew my mind. Had you gotten involved at the museum before your induction? Yes, I did. Uh, I've, I've always been a big fan and supporter of this museum and, and, and a really good friend with Joe and Linda Chambers. And uh, just the fact that they uh, came up with the idea to, to create a place, such, uh, such a great place that would honor the supporting musicians and the backing musicians, uh, you know, that supported and played the music behind the artists. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to do whatever I could to help that uh, idea succeed and was just uh, helpful in any way I could be. What does this place mean to you personally? It's just, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to explain in words. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful place and it started as an idea in Joe and Linda's mind. And, and you can look around, you, you just got to tour it and look through it. And uh, like I mentioned, there's a lot of places that celebrate artists and stars and and people like that, but for someone to want to celebrate the people behind the scenes, the people in the background, um, you know, it just seemed like a beautiful idea and so, so wonderful that Joe and Linda were able to bring it into fruition. We saw some of your guitars over at the G-Men exhibit. How do you keep track of what you've played on what instrument all the, for all those years? Do you, do you have a cataloging system? Is it a cartridge? situation? How do you know that, how do you remember for 30 years that that's the guitar that did the river? Well, I, I just kind of, I don't have any kind of catalog system or I don't write it down, but I just kind of remember, you know, uh, which guitars, you know, I used on certain records. I don't remember on every record. And the one thing I don't remember are pedals or amplifiers. I, I, I don't really, that's kind of hard for me to remember. But the guitars are just kind of special instruments. Each one is special to me. And, and I remember that I used that Jerry Jones on the river. I used my old 52 Les Paul on Friends in Low Places and, and uh, you know, different, different instruments and sometimes I have specialty instruments that I wouldn't use every day but I might have pulled it out for a special sound on a record like I have a rare Dan Electro guitar Lynn that I played on uh, Small Town Saturday Night by Hal Ketchum and on an Emmy Lou Harris record and I just remember those uh, specifically because I used that odd instrument on that record. Talk a little bit about working with Alan Reynolds. You worked with him with Crystal and of course Garth and the G-Men, and he's inducted here as, as the producer for the G-Men. What made him so special? What made, because I say main because he's retired, but what made him so special as a producer of country music? Well, uh, first of all, I do want to just say that Alan was incredibly an important mentor in my career. I mean, he really believed in me in the very beginning when I was very green, and I, I owe a big debt to Alan for 30 years of wonderful music, 30 years plus of wonderful music. And, you know, like I said, he believed in me and worked me into recording sessions, uh, maybe even before I was qualified, but he saw something there. And uh, Alan, he just, uh, two things, as a, as a producer, he was always known as a song guy. You know, he, he was always looking for the best songs for his artists. And, uh, you know, he wouldn't fill an album full of 
you know, have two or three good songs and then fill it full of fluff. You know, he was always looking for the ten best songs he could possibly find. Uh, and I think that's evidence in many of the hits he had for all of his artists. And the others, uh, he was the kind of producer that was pretty hands-off and his forte was hiring the musicians that he thought would best complement the music he was going to record. And uh, then letting them do what they do. You know, you hire those musicians to come in. You're not only after their guitar licks, but their creativity, their arrangement ideas, uh, you know, what different different suggestions for arrangements and sounds and ideas. So Alan was always letting people express themselves, but he always had a plan where if things started going sideways, he could always go, well, hey guys, why don't we try this? You know, but it was always letting everybody express themselves first. Talk about you. When did you first become enamored with the guitar? Well, giving away my age a little bit, seeing Elvis on Ed Sullivan. And uh, just, you know, Elvis wasn't, at that time I was focusing on Elvis and really Scotty Moore was doing the play in the background. But just seeing that, uh, it just, it just, uh, I thought that was really cool. And I wanted to get a guitar, asked my dad for a guitar. He got me one. and. Little by little, it just kind of took over my life, and uh, you know, ended up being all I ever wanted to do was play guitar. Did you ever have any other job other than? Oh yeah, there were many jobs. Uh, you know, there was many times early in my career when music wasn't paying the bills. So uh, you know, I laid sod. I worked at a phone company in New York. I, uh, you know, delivered photographs for people. I worked at a car wash. I bust tables. I uh, did whatever would pay the bills when the music didn't. So then what was the breakthrough for you to make it full-time? Well, the very first breakthrough, big breakthrough that I had was when we moved to Nashville. I moved here in 1972 to play in a band with some buddies of mine. We were just playing little clubs. There was a publisher named Juan Contreras that took a liking to our band. He started introducing us to people. And one of the main persons he introduced us to was Norbert Putnam, who owned Quadraphonic Studios. And at that time, Dobie Gray and Mentor Williams, his producer, had just finished recording the Drift Away record in 1973, 74 at Quad. They needed a band to go on the road to support Dobie. So because Juan had introduced us to Norbert, we were hanging out at Quad, they decided to hire our band. That was my first big road gig, we were backing up Dobie playing Drift Away, and uh, that was my first big touring gig. When somebody calls you as, as a musician, as a guitarist, as an iconic session musician, mm -hmm. if I may say, what? when they want Chris Lusinger, and they want the Chris Lusinger sound, what are they looking for when they call you? How would you define your, I guess I'm asking you, how would you define your sound? Oh gosh, that's a, that's a tough session? question. I, I really don't know. I mean, you know, to be honest, I've never been considered much, like I grew up playing R&B and more rock and Latin and things, so I've never considered myself a true country guitar player like, like Brent Mason or Jerry Kennedy or people like that, you know, but uh, I guess they're just looking for a certain style, maybe that they've heard on a Garth record or, or a, uh, you know, a Hal Ketchum record or Kathy Matea record. 
And, uh, you know, they wouldn't normally call me to do fast tele picking like Brent Mason. If they wanted that kind of play, and they know to call Brent for that, you know. But uh, I guess a more subdued, just uh, different kind of sound or whatever sound they're looking for. One of the things Garth likes to talk about when he introduces you and introduces the band is the difference between a studio musician and a live musician. And I'm wondering, what is the difference for you personally between playing in a studio? I mean, obviously there's the, the environmental factors, but I mean, for you and the experience and the way you experience it and the way you play, what is the difference between being in studio versus being live? Well, in the studio, it's just, uh, you know, you're playing into a, uh, these days, you're, I used to, you used to play into a tape machine, now you're playing into a computer, basically, and, you know, there's no audience reaction there, and it's all about just creating music in the moment. And, uh, you know, one thing I say, you're creating it, as whereas when you're performing a lot of the stuff live, you're sort of recreating it you know, in a live situation. But in the studio, you're coming up with the ideas that that will formulate the songs and formulate the records. And there's a, a lot more precision involved, you know, as far as playing in tune, playing in time, uh, really listening to the other players and making, you know, fitting your part in with the other players. And, and live, it's it's just more about creating more excitement performing those songs that were created in the studio live in front of people and and you know it's like it always in Garth's band you know they would take what we did in the studio and turn up the notch about 10 degrees for Garth live you know uh, from he the says, records he said something really interesting he said he realized the music made the jump especially double live because when he would say Louisiana in Colin Baton Rouge, mm -hmm. the crowd went up mm -hmm. and shouted it with him. Yeah, yeah. Versus Louisiana. Right, right. In the in mm -hmm. the song, mm -hmm. are you noticing that with the crowd, like that they're in tune with you, in tune with the music, and 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 vibing with what you guys are doing as the players? Yeah, yes, and and I think it's I think it's kind of true in Garth's music. Really, I mean, every show I've done with him, the whole audience is standing up and singing along with every song. And on Vegas, there's some people sitting in the tall balconies, but on the floor, and all the stadium shows I did with him, people stood and sang along with every single song. So yeah, there's definitely a vibration there. And, that, and that's the thing about seeing Garth live that's different, I think, than some other entertainers. You're not going to sit there, you're not going to, attending the concert, to sit there and watch somebody play you're part of the show. The audience is just as big a part of the show as, as Garth or the band. It's funny, I love, he goes, please, have a seat. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and <laughs> yeah. the reason I laugh at that is, I saw Celine there, and I was in the upper balcony. That room is so intimate, but it's so big at the mm -hmm. same time. I was in the upper balcony for Celine. She does her first two songs, everybody's on their feet, and she goes, you paid a lot of money for those chairs. Sit down. Oh, that's great, that's great. <laughs> That's great. One of my favorite licks of yours, I think it's yours, is the uh, That Summer Bridge. Yeah, yeah. That's yours, right? Yes, uh-huh. So, um, but you don't play it live. No, 
No. When I when I signed on for the uh, gig with Carl, oh, I say when Garth, and let me rephrase that, when Garth invited me to come on the road uh, yeah. with them, Gordon Kennedy, who's a fabulous guitar player and a great yeah. friend, he was already playing uh, in the band. And at that time, he was playing all the solos. And uh, I got, Garth asked me to come out and join them. So Gordon and I just decided to split the solos between us. And he plays the solos on that and Shameless. Yeah. And uh, that's fine with me. And, uh, I, I get my share of the solos on other songs. I love it. I love, no, I'm just such a music nerd. I want to hear Chris Lusinger play the, that song. You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's like every time, because Buddy's a drummer. You met uh, Buddy out yeah, in Vegas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Every time we're there, when we're at a show, he will be staring at Milton. Right. The man wants to meet Milton so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So well, it's kind of the same thing with Milton and Mike Palmer. You know, yeah. Mike Mike's done that gig since the very beginning of, of Gar's career. Yeah. And so you know, he and Milton just trade off songs, and, yeah. and it all works out. It's fun to watch them because they'll hop between the percussion setup and the, the double yeah, drums. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I think they're having a great time, and Gordon yeah. and I are just having the time of our lives. Right. I love playing with him. Yeah, whether it's Crystal or Garth or any of the other innumerable people you've played with, um, even Writers in the Sky, which honestly I didn't know they used session musicians because their sound is so tight right. uh -huh. as a group. I didn't know they used session mm -hmm. players. Well, they don't normally, but this one children's album they made, right. they wanted some electric guitar on it. Oh, cool. So they hired me to play the electric guitar on it. Do you have a favorite lick, solo, intro, outro that you have designed in the studio? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, 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 you know, the ones I can think of, you know, I'm particularly, I, I like Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up. But of course, when I say I designed it, it's really a bunch of Chuck Berry licks. <laughs> 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 because, you know, that's just what the song called for at the time. You know, uh, I mean, I played them. I, I, the solo and Shameless, you know, that's one that uh, I think, you know, we took a lot of time with that, getting it just right. And it may be one of the first country solos that had a whammy bar dive, you know, dive on the end of it, with a whammy bar, but... Uh, well, that makes you feel the grief. Mm -hmm. That makes you feel the longing. Well, just, you know what, I right never there. thought of it that way. That, that's you know, awesome. That's you know. awesome. I never looked at it that way, but... Yeah. When you, when you spend hours and hours a day just thinking about music, you you start to realize what the imagery is that's mm -hmm. trying to be created. And, and like he talks about that summer being wheat fields and that chord being a thunder instead of an open road. And uh, my favorite song that you do in the residency, because we did cover the residency, it's a cover, mm -hmm. it's Turn the Page. Oh yeah. You guys look like you have so much fun as that builds and builds <laughs> and builds. Yeah, yeah, I love playing that song. And that's the first time we'd ever done it with him was out there. And, uh, and, and it's, it's a great addition. Last thing I want to ask you is, you've done so much, and, and you're in this Hall of Fame as a member, and you're in as a bandmate, a team member. What does it mean to you to be inducted, not just inducted, but inducted as part of a group with some of the most legendary songs in country music? With, I'm sorry, with what? What did it mean to you to be inducted as part of the G-Men, as part of that unit? Well, it, it, it meant a lot because, I mean, we've been a band 
working with Garth for over almost 35 years now. And uh, it's really become more of a family. Uh, it's not just a bunch of guys playing music together, but we all love each other. You know, we all know our kids, we all know our wives, it's, including Garth, you know, and, and Alan Reynolds was inducted too, and Mark Miller was inducted at the same time, the engineer that recorded all the records. And, and you know, it, 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 not saying this in a bragging way, but it is quite a legacy of music that we've all made together. And it's hard to describe the connection you get recording music together. You know, it's just, just a kind of a connection that, and especially with the same guys for 30 years. And so it was very, very special to me. That's awesome. So this is one of those inside baseball questions I have for you. Not sure if he'll put it in or not, but speaking of fade outs, the dance, very yeah. famously, there's uh -huh. a coda live, there's yeah. a coda mm -hmm. that gets played till he's off. Right. I assume that's a loop and somehow you get cued that it's time to bump, bump, bottom. How do you play the the end live and stay together like that? Well, That's always well, we, it, it is planned out. Yeah, it is uh, like on the stadium show. The stage was much bigger, yeah. So we played it longer. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you want to know the specifics, Dave has he does the reintro, plays it yeah. twice. Then Gordon plays two solos. Steve McClure plays two solos. I play two solos, and we're done. Wow. Uh, then we hit that lick. When we got to uh, Vegas, the stage is not so big, so we cut it. Dave has two. Gordon has one solo. Steve has one solo. I have one solo, and then done. we're done. Yeah. So it's not really a cue. Oh, I'm sorry. After my solo, Dave has one final mm -hmm. uh, piano. See, I didn't know if it was a loop, and then when he left, maybe Dave cued you with a different chord progression. No. To come into the bump, bump that lick. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's plan. It's planned out. Very time cool. part of the arrangement very cool didn't know that chris yeah. lusinger you have spent an hour and a half in this beautiful room with us thank you so much well, thank thank you thank you and you know i whether you use this or not i would be negligent if i just didn't say a couple things you know uh, first of all i recognize all this is a blessing from above uh, i have no no doubt where this comes from and i'm very grateful for it I'm very grateful to Garth for being the most loyal artist ever and keeping us all together for this many years and, and for inviting me to go on the road with him. Very grateful to Alan Reynolds for uh, his mentorship and Juan Contreras for getting us started. Just wanted to add that. I love it. This, this is beautiful. This was fun. This was a really fun well, thank you. morning. Thank you so much for asking me to do it. I'm well, very thank grateful. thank you for saying yes. Thank you for preparing notes. And <laughs> my God, I just, I, I couldn't believe it. I told my daughter last night, I'm doing my homework. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I knew you would want to do it because like you, like you said, we're friends on Facebook and you're posting all the time about this place. It's, it's important that it grows. It's important that People keep supporting it. You come to Nashville, I'll say this on camera too, but you come to Nashville, you want to really delve into how the music was made, come here. It, yeah, yeah. Well, I absolutely love this place. Yeah. I love it. And I, I, I love, love everything it, it stands for, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I do want to say we were all incredibly saddened by Joe's passing last year. And uh, Let's do that. Let's do that as last thing. Talk about Joe as the founder. You, what you told me when we met in Vegas, without the, of course, the eminent domain and all that, but what you told me about uh, Joe founding it and and 
how you kind of got involved because of that, if you wouldn't mind. Well, it's just, you know, Joe and Linda both took this as just a dream and an idea of, uh, you know, uh, celebrating the, the background musicians, the touring musicians, the session musicians that, that play the music behind the artists. And, uh, you know, for somebody, first of all, to think of doing that and then turning it into a reality like this is just, just amazing. And, and, you know, I won't go into detail, but there was a lot of uh, dedication and perseverance and a lot of roadblocks along the way that they had to overcome to turn this into what it is today. And uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful that Joe's legacy can continue here and that people can come and enjoy this, you know, and, and uh, that his, his, he will live on through this museum. It's, it's wonderful that uh, it's continuing under the direction of Linda Chambers. And uh, we're just grateful, we're grateful. You know, all the musicians love this place. We're very grateful for it. And grateful to Joe and Linda for creating it. It's beautiful. Chris. Thank you very much. That was actually recorded over CMA Fest in 2023. Uh, Chris was very cool enough to uh, meet with Matt ahead of some uh, local in-town stuff he had to do and uh, dedicated a good couple of hours with him to uh, do the interview and give the tour. And please, please, please be sure to check out our mini doc of the tour, really, that uh, Chris gives Matt and... Uh, you guys, and if you're ever in Nashville, you have to go check out that place. I've been to the original location. I've not had the opportunity to visit the new one, so um, we're going to have to do that sometime. Yeah, Municipal Auditorium, it's, it's fantastic. It's a really cool location. It's a very big museum. There's even a, a, a section, Mike Curb's section, with all the memorabilia that he's collected, including some uh, props and set pieces from the TV show Nashville. There's a Jimi Hendrix section that we didn't go in with Chris. There's a Grammy Museum section that couldn't be a part of our tour because the Grammys own that. Right. So it was really cool. And thank you to Chris again. He did a lot of work to prepare for it. You see him walking around. He has a piece of paper. He took all kinds of notes and he was, he was excited to do this and we were excited to have him. So thank you again, Chris. Thank you again to Peter. To, who helped out with our camera footage. And again, check it out. This is like in the top five of, of projects that I've done that I'm most proud of. And buddy, great job with the editing, really. It was it was a lot of, well, a lot of work on your part, but it got really, really good. So thank you again to everybody. I know we've been saying thank you since we came back from the, from the interview here, but uh, I really appreciate uh, all the effort that everybody uh, put into this to make this as, as good as it's, gotten and so go ahead and check that out linked below and then we're also going to link this episode to the uh, actual documentary so the people who watch the documentary if they want more from chris can check out this interview so for the music universe podcast i'm matt and um buddy thanks for listening and watching and uh, as always check us out at themusicuniverse.com follow us at socials at the music uni and tmupod.com is where you can subscribe take care <laughs>